You're listening to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. It is a beautiful honor to be able to share with you this morning what I feel the Holy Spirit is brooding over us and what I feel He's teaching us in this season. And I'm, I'm delighted that the word comes on the back of him working in our hearts a fresh revelation of intimacy. Because we are called to great things. We are called to great exploits, but we are not called to independence. We are called to participation, like in the Garden of Eden, our original design is with the Father, with Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in our lives but it comes from intimacy. It comes from relationship. It comes from participation. There is no shortcut. The rest is striving and toiling and making things happen. And to be rooted in an understanding of what Jesus has purchased for us, that we are not alone, but by grace, we are empowered by the Spirit. That's our starting point. So I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit has stirred up that place in our heart this morning. So I'm going to be speaking about living the kingdom way. And I share this with incredible passion because I believe that the greatest adventure and the most abundant life that you can have on this planet is living the kingdom way or living the Jesus way. I do not believe it is the second best option that the world offers you the glitz, glamour and fun and the kingdom is stoic and boring and serious. I believe that the kingdom of God is the best way to live on the planet. We are all looking for the good life. The good life is found in Jesus. The good life is found as we work out the reality of our salvation in partnership with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. That's where we find wholeness, fun, passion, joy, the adventure of a lifetime. That is where it is found and nowhere else. And there's a lot of voices on the planet telling you what Hashtag the good life is, and I promise you it's found in the word and it's found in the spirit. It is found in the finished work of the cross and the adventure of living the kingdom. And so I give this word with great passion. It is the passion of my life to unpack in every area of my life what it means to live the kingdom way, what it means to live the Jesus way. And time after time, day after day, I find myself in thankfulness because I find him there. And I'm like, oh. This is the good life. This is joy. This is his faithfulness. This is his peace and his goodness. So let's go on this adventure together. Okay, can we have the first slide? I'm starting uh, with Thomas actually this morning, which is, uh, I was laughing when Mark brought that word. So John 14 verse 5 to 7 in the Passion Translation um, Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how could we know the way there? Jesus was beginning to unpack to them about his death, burial, and resurrection, and they were missing the point. And Thomas is like, I don't get it. And so Jesus explains, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. And I think we all, as Mark said, can be like Thomas. We reach moments in our life where we go, 
what is going on? I don't get it. What is the right way to live? What do I do? What is the vision for my life? What am I doing with these things that I'm facing at the moment? And the key that Jesus gives us in this statement is everything. Number one, he is the way. And that is not just the way to salvation. That's number one. He is the only way to salvation through his blood, death, burial, and resurrection. He is the way. But he is also the way to truth and life. He is then through the cross, the path, the way to live the kingdom life, the Jesus life, to live abundance, to live goodness. So he is both the door and the path on the other side of the cross. And this is what, what is imparted in all of our questioning. I am the way that you are looking for. I am the truth. And there in the footnote, John 14 verse 6 says, the true reality. You see, truth is actually multi-layered. What you're feeling and experiencing, the circumstances is true, but the higher truth is what Jesus has accomplished, what he says about you, what is happening in heaven. And as his sons and daughters, we need to live with not just the truth of the things that we're facing in the physical, but with the spiritual eyes to discern that layer of truth, the true reality of Father, Son, and Spirit, the kingdom reality. And then thirdly, I am the life. I am the abundant life. Everything you're looking for to live on this planet and in the next life is found in Jesus. And that is so, so super exciting. And so Rob has been speaking a lot about holding in our hearts a vision or a blueprint for the decade ahead. And I just want to take that from an abstract concept of a vision for the decade and ground it on what does that actually look like, all right? We're not specifically talking about the goals that you're setting for the next 10 years, the bucket list of places that you want to visit, the jobs you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. Although vision eventually will always translate into those plans. What we're really, really asking for here is the map, the blueprint for what is on God's heart, okay? What we're really saying here is through the gift of salvation, through the grace of God, you have been reborn as a true son and daughter of God, okay? What does life look like from then on? What does it mean to live the Jesus way? What does it mean to live the kingdom way? Can we turn these eyes down and the eyes of our hearts up to be able to see the true reality, the kingdom reality, let that be our overarching vision and then make decisions on that. That's what we're talking about when we talk about blueprint and vision. What does God want for the next 10 years? What does it look like for me to be son and daughter in the next 10 years? And that'll fuel the decisions that you make every day. Can we go to the next slide? You know, Rob and I are in Ephesians at the moment. It's a beautiful, super-packed book of like a summary of what was one on the cross, life in the spirit, and unpacking what that looks like in a very practical way. This is Ephesians 1, 17 to 20 from the NIV. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better, even this morning. This is the constant glorious journey of our life that we know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart, so you have these eyes and then you've got spiritual eyes that see. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, etc. My question is, God, can you give us a vision? Can you open the eyes of our hearts so that we carry an understanding in wisdom of what that means? The glorious riches inside of me that he has unlocked because of his blood on the cross. What does it mean to live in the great power of the resurrected power that raised Jesus from the dead in the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Those are the kind of questions, those are the vision that become the blueprint for what we're walking into. We make decisions and choices every single day from what we eat, how we spend our money, what we do with our time, to where we live and the jobs that we accept. Every decision has a trajectory for the next months and years ahead. And we want a kingdom framework in order, a vision, a blueprint of what is on the Father's heart and who we are in order to make the tiniest decisions. Because at the end of the day, that's where you end up in 10 years' time. Can we go to the next slide? <clears throat> I would say, in a very simple statement, the overarching vision for us here right now is in Johannesburg as it is in heaven, right? So, the far, so Jesus teaches us to pray that, pray on earth as it is in heaven. So let's make that really, really practical and let's make it in Johannesburg as it is in heaven. That is so powerful, guys, because it takes it from the abstract to the very concrete. What does that look like in the next 10 years? It also means on a micro level, I'm living in Johannesburg, and where is the kingdom? The kingdom is not far away somewhere. Jesus teaches us the kingdom has been birthed inside of us because he is inside of us, which makes it very micro the kingdom of God is expanding on the inside of me and my personal inner world. It's expanding in my marriage and my household and my relationships and my sphere of influence in our businesses and in this church community. On a macro level, in Johannesburg as it is in heaven, it's like, wow, I suppose that would mean God's generous justice and love to the poor. It would mean peace on our streets. It would mean people being loved and drawn into the kingdom. It would mean kindness and serving and loving our neighbors. So this statement is beautiful because it's macro and it's micro. And it becomes like an overarching vision for what we're going for. I believe that in this season, um, Ephesians 1 verse 7, this is, this is what the Lord is teaching us from super, super abundant grace. That is where we live. We are in super abundant grace. It is powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And in the footnotes, wisdom is termed an understanding of what's happening in the heavenlies, in the kingdom, in that true reality. 
practical understanding is actually how to live that way. And we need both. What we see in the person of Jesus is not an airy-fairy sort of mystic who's only in the heavenly realms, and we don't see a person completely obsessed with this life on this planet and what what we're going to do here. He merged the two in his very life. The reality of living in heavenly places, in complete communion with the Father through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and walking on earth, being a carpenter, being in family, having brides with his friends, preaching, leading, teaching, working. That's the blur that we want to see in our lives. Not just heads in clouds, but heads in clouds and feet firmly on the ground and bringing the reality of heaven to Johannesburg, to the earth. Yeah, he, Jesus... Jesus is our ultimate model, okay? He is the perfect picture of heaven coming to earth. And the most beautiful thing is he's not a model for us, but of us. He is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, of which we are those, the sons and daughters of God. And so we get the same inheritance. We get the same spirit that was the fellowship between father and son, In Jesus is the same spirit that is inside of us. Not a different spirit. Same spirit, same power, same connection to Jesus and the Father because we are seated in him in heavenly places. That's our inheritance. He's a model for us, but actually of us. That is how we get to live. And I quickly want to say there's this little word called obedience, and it's not the most trendy word. It's got a whole lot of heavy associated with. Can I tell you that there is goodness on the other side of obedience and there is rest on the other side of obedience? Jesus taught us, John 15 verse 19, the son is not able to do anything by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Carrying that vision of what is on the Father's heart and the reality of what has been purchased for us, the glorious riches, and unpacking that in our life is obedience. It's having that as our primary vision. It's reading this and it's hearing the voice of the Father, the voice of Jesus through the Spirit, and obeying and positioning ourselves to give him our yes. He deserves our yes in the tiny details and the big decisions. And I have found, I I actually hear him clearly, and then I say yes, and then I wrestle. I'm like, was that the best decision? Because there's there's all these other options that I could have made, and let me think through those again. And you know where I find rest and blessing and fruitfulness is in that place of obedience. We've got to stop rationalizing with the, the hundreds of voices in our heads, and we've got to learn to obey to obey because there is a beautiful, sweet space there. Rob was sharing his word uh, for the year, which is known. He unpacked that in, in week one. The word the Lord gave me for this year is delight. And um, specifically the scripture, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There is an element of trust in that statement. I trust 
That is, I delight myself in you, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, where you become everything to me, because that's actually what you deserve, that you have got everything else sorted, that all those desires of my heart, the things that I love, that I'm passionate about, that you are working that out perfectly. And I find there's a level of trust that's required in obedience, that we trust that his way is not second best, that his way, the kingdom life, the Jesus life is the best adventure for each one of us, that it is the glorious plan, that it is the good life. That's something that needs to settle deep inside of us. All right. So I'm going to give a quick illustration here. Can you, can you hold that for me? You, I'm sure you've heard the term um, neuroplasticity. You heard that term? It's a very trendy term at the moment. What it means is that the brain was thought to be quite static and that you learn patterns and then you stay that way. But scientists are finding that the brain is actually, it can be molded and it can change. And the paradigms and the thoughts and the habits that you have in your mind-heart connection can actually change. Your mind is being molded. That's what neuroplasticity is. In the biblical term, it's your mind is being transformed. Okay? But I want to ask you, can you be aware of what is molding your mind? Because you are not static. You are never static. You are never in a place of, that's me. You are being molded and changed and formed all the time. And I think we need to question, is it the spirit that's transforming our thinking and molding and shaping the way that we see things? Or is it the voices in this world? Because we're in a place in human history where we have never had as many voices as we have currently. You are actually assaulted every day by the amount of voice, information, thoughts, content coming at you. What's molding your thinking? And I want to refer to what is molding your thinking as the culture. It's either the culture of this world or it's the culture of the kingdom. And as much as we look the same, it's not the same at all. Jesus came as a counter-revolutionary. It is a counter-culture to what we know in the world. And I'll, I'll touch on that now. But I just want to, I want to speak briefly about how important it is to be in a company of people that are cheering you towards Jesus. Can we do the next slide? So this is from our website. This is about the collective church. But it says, we hold within our name the collective. The idea that together we are stronger. We meet as a diverse group of individuals, each one beautiful and unique, a gift themselves. But when we come together, we find family. We find unity and love that only the Spirit can bring. You can only discover who you fully are when you are found in His family. This is kingdom thinking. This is kingdom thinking. The world tells us we can go it alone, and then we adopt that in our spiritual walk. It's cool. It's God and me. No, actually, we need to be surrounded by a, a company of people that are not moving us away from the Jesus life, but are pushing us towards and encouraging us to the Jesus life. We can't do it alone. This is the practice of community it is from the Father's heart for how we live. And the word collective, what are the collective nouns? Family, tribe, community. 
uh, army, bride, you know, all of these things describes us together. And it's in our togetherness that we move towards a greater understanding of this vision. So let's hop back to culture. And so you're either you're affected by the people around you, your friends. Watch out for the conversations that are being held around you. Just be aware that that is molding and forming your thinking. You're by social media or by the news or by uh, a course that you've done. Or I mean, you, the multitude of voices are forming our thinking. So I want to just quickly, this is from a, a business context that I took this, but it's so helpful to understand. It must be true that a company should be measured by the culture it creates. That's from the search for God in Guinness, where they take a kingdom culture and they build a brand around that. And that's an amazing story. We can do that another time. But the definition of culture is what is encouraged to grow the behavior and ways of thinking that are inspired. Despite what a company's advertising might boast, aside from what mascot it adopts or the slogan it uses, it is what is inspired in the life of its people that is the most important indicator of how noble a venture that company may be. You know, you walk into some companies and you see the culture, the vision on the wall, but what you experience is completely different. And it's the same for us as Christians, as Christ followers. It's quite easy to list the things that we should be or the kingdom way, but what is actually growing within our hearts? Are we allowing ourselves in life with the spirit to be molded into that way of thinking? We don't just want the, the statements on the wall and, and an eagle mascot. That's a popular Christian mascot, an eagle mascot, you know. We want that life, that culture of the kingdom, his way of thinking, what's on his heart, the practices he encourages us to, the love, the joy. We would call it fruit fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is that growing in our lives? And that comes from intimacy. It comes from walking with him. And so we don't just want to know these things and have a mascot. We want to be living that. We want to see those things alive and growing in our life. When Jesus arrived on the scene and he started to preach, he introduced this entirely new culture, a counter culture. And I, my favorite is, is, is Matthew 5. It's like the constitution of the kingdom. And everyone's like waiting to hear. And it's one of his first preachers. And he says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. <laughs> what? I thought I was blessed when I was successful, when I can look after myself, when I'm independent, when I can make things happen, when I don't need anyone or anything. And he's like, no, you're blessed and you get to inherit the earth when you're needy for me when you live in dependence and relationship. That's when you're blessed. That's when the wealth comes to you, the wealth in every, every um, meaning of the word, not just financial. It's this counterculture from the beginning. And if you read through Matthew, it's, it's my favorite. Read through it in the Passion, read through it in the Message, because it makes it almost like a conversation. It is so, the thinking is so different. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Jesus came not to create like a, a club, but an entirely new humanity. We are sons and daughters of God. We are citizens of heaven. It is a birthing into a new humanity. And now we get to live that vision. We don't have to do anything, right? 
Through his blood on the cross and the gift of salvation, we are made new. We are spotless and perfect in his eyes, sons and daughters. No one can take that from us. That is the grace of God. You don't have to do anything, but you get to. You get to unpack what life with the Spirit looks like. You can stay there, but the Lord is like, no. Now there's a new way to live, and it's called being empowered by my Spirit. It's called intimacy and friendship with my spirit because that is the fellowship with me and with the father and so we get to unpack what this life looks like so coming back to that word the way do you know that the early christians before they were called christians which was at antioch they were called followers of christ they were called the way Isn't that interesting just relating back to that scripture because they lived differently they thought differently. They loved differently. Every aspect of their lives was different because of their encounter with Jesus. It's just so beautiful. I just, the thought of us, the body of Christ, um, bringing his flavor, his heart to the world and actually believing that in Johannesburg it will be as it is in heaven. I want to see that. That sounds like a good ride. So something that's super important, um, which I alluded to earlier, is as important as community is in these two hours during the week, it shapes us, it forms us, our encounter with Jesus in this, in this space is so important and you cannot have a life without it. We've come to realize that it is a beautiful source of life and encouragement and, and reforming. But it's two hours out of, I think it's 168 hours in the week. So you've got 166 other hours in the week, okay? What is so huge for us, and we've been on this journey with the Lord unpacking this for a decade, is I don't want there to be any separation between this moment and every other hour in my week. The, the hours that I'm at home, the hours that I'm at work, the hours that I'm with my family are as spiritual as this moment. And I think as a community, the Lord wants to do something very original and beautiful in our space together. And that is to completely blur the line between what we've partitioned into spiritual and secular. And to actually give us a, a deep understanding that everything we do, every decision about our time, our money, our passion, what we do is actually a, a spiritual decision. We, that it's those places that we want to live the Jesus way that we want to live the kingdom way. And um, yeah, about 10 years ago, the Lord said to us, I'm going to show you how to see my kingdom in family, in church community, in social justice, and in business. And I'm going to blur that so that you know me in all those spaces. And that has been our story. And so each aspect of how we built and our time, where our time is spent and we put our our talents and our giftings is in all of those areas and it's in those areas that we have found his kingdom established. And that's what he's stirring up, I believe, in all of us that sit here together is that longing to see his kingdom, not in one aspect of our life, but in every aspect of our lives. Lord, what would you do here? If you were me, okay, you know, there used to be those bracelets, what would Jesus do? which is really good because it's like, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? But Jesus is actually in you. So if you were me, what would you do? Because he, we, we want to look like him, but we get to be just like us, which is this most beautiful picture because he releases us to be our true selves, our son and daughter selves. What would you do 
about this, my work? What would you, how would you be a mom to Mads and Mila and Jude? How would you be a leader in a church community? How would you position yourself in business? What do you want to do with my talent? What do you want to do with my time and my money? It comes down to actually seeking the Jesus way, seeking the kingdom in all of those different aspects of our life. So what we really stirring up, what I'm stirring up this morning is wanting to allow the spirit to open the eyes of our hearts afresh to see with wisdom and practical understanding because really we want to be children of God. We want to be disciples of Jesus. I just almost want a fresh understanding of that because discipleship, almost the word feels like a program that you go through in order to learn spiritual principles to mature. I feel like we need to redefine disciples. Like he is our teacher. And if you look at him in the gospels, he was teaching his friends around a table. He was teaching his friends um, the way of the kingdom, his way. And then in John 14, he unpacks, I'm not leaving you teacherless. I'm giving you within yourself, the teacher, the guide, the counselor to continue this discipleship, this teaching, and he's with you. And so I want to say we have a better deal than what the disciples had because he's closer than our next breath. He's in us. He's with us in every moment. He doesn't go away. He doesn't cross over the ocean to the other side of the lake. And you're like, where is he? He's with you. And so we want to reposition ourselves as, as disciples. I just, I always love the character of Mary. And I've got both Mary and Martha in me because I love to get things done. And things need to get done, guys. I, I love seeing things done, established, accomplished. I really do. But I also just want to be like Mary and sit at his feet. And, and I think we need to get a fresh revelation of we are like Mary. We are his disciples. And it's so beautiful because she's this woman, which is unusual in the culture, sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, Martha, look, this is actually the better way. She's being taught by him. And we need to, just like a fresh picture as well, like he is the greatest mind in the universe. Okay? Like we have gurus and we have people we follow on Instagram. We have blogs we follow and people that are like amazing, inspiring celebrities or voices in our lives, whatever. He is the greatest mind on the planet. And I promise you that as we get taught by him and get molded into his thinking, that it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. It's the best, actually. We want to be with him. We want to become like him. And then, of course, we want to do what he did. We want to see the signs and wonders and miracles and healings of the kingdom, just like he did. And he said, we'll do even greater than what he did as we learn to abide with him as we learn to live in the reality of our union with Christ. We want to learn to abide in that union. And I'm finishing in the last couple of sentences. I was listening to a podcast this week where a Microsoft researcher, Linda Stone, said, we live in an age of continuous partial attention. This phone all the people on this phone, all the info, all the emails, all the blogs, all the stuff. And, you know, and then it's happening and it's coming at you all the time. Continuous partial attention. And really, it's like the biggest fight. Uh, in, it's almost like the, there's an attention economy. Everything's trying to grab your attention because that's what makes them money, right? So um, they're trying to grab your attention and, and make you a customer. They, they want to attract 
and actually ultimately addict us in many forms. And what are we fighting for? We're fighting to abide in the reality of our union with Christ. That is what we're fighting for. To actually let that trump the continuous partial attention. A.W. Tozer says, we, we're aiming for constant conscious communion. He is not anywhere else but with you. His presence in you, with you. But we are so distracted. We want to learn to abide in the union, our union with Jesus. We are in Jesus and he is in us. Brother Lawrence says, practicing the presence of God. We want to practice the presence of God and become so, it's actually a practice. It's actually the ability to, to turn down those voices and up this awareness. Because as we up this awareness, it forms and it shapes and it molds us to look more like Jesus, to look like the true sons and daughters that we are, to be like him, and ultimately to do what he does and see Johannesburg as it is in heaven. I'm going to end with the scripture. Can you just put on the last slide? You're doing such a great job. Nix is helping us for the first time today. Thank you so much. Okay, let's just go to verse 27 there. Jesus resumed talking to the people. The Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I want to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. I want to listen. This morning, I want to stir in your hearts, listen, because it is the good life. And he's teaching us line by line, how to listen into the conversations between Father, Son, and Spirit. He's drawing us into the dream of heaven for this planet. Are you tired? This is my best, because it's no striving. And I want to speak in, in a future message, I want to speak about being true sons and daughters, because we set aside the self-made man and woman thinking, and we take on the son of God, daughter of God thinking, which is completely different. But are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. This is not a to-do list. That is not something you check, you check off and go, oh good, I'm getting this right. This is a Jesus is drawing you into himself again. He's drawing you deep into that awareness of intimacy with him. He paid the price that we are never alone, that we are part of him and he is part of us. Let us dwell and abide in the magnificence of that inheritance. Um, get away with me and you'll recover your life. This is where you find real life. I'll show you how to take a real rest because actually in work there is rest when it's in partnership. Um, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is the walk of grace because we can, not because we have to. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Won't you stand with me? Jesus, we just, in this moment, want to rededicate our hearts to you, to be taught by you, to walk with you, to live in the abundant life that you purchased with your own blood, that we would know fellowship with the Father and Jesus with you and with the Holy Spirit in a deeper way.
We just thank you that you are opening the eyes of our understanding, that you are giving us a crown of wisdom, each one of us, in all the aspects of our life. I thank you right now that you even give us that wisdom to blur the difference between that which is spiritual and that which is other, work, business, running, jogging, eating. Can, we, can you give us fresh eyes to see that everything is spiritual, that everything is a place where you can be found, where you've got insight for us, where you've got the good life for us to find, Father. And we just bring those places where we're particularly stuck, Lord, those places that are really sore and really difficult and where it feels very dead. And we in this moment choose to believe, Holy Spirit, that you've got a plan. We're like Thomas. We don't know. We have no idea. We don't know what to do. But you say you are the way. Into, you, you've got the solution. You are the true reality on the situation. And you will bring life to dead places. And so we, we, we do, we allow you into those places of our heart that we want to close because it's too hard. Instead, we just bring our questions, we bring our misunderstandings, we bring those things that need to be molded by you, Spirit, and we allow you in this morning. We pray, we pray for such a grace this week. I pray for such a grace over our community that we would learn to walk with you and step with you, Jesus, and step with your spirit. I pray for such a deepening intimacy that out of this place where you have birthed a fresh revelation of intimacy through worship this morning, we just release that into every moment of this week. Father God, I just pray that we would fall into wells of intimacy in unexpected places with you this week, Father. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.co.za.